Hello, and welcome to another episode of These Little Moments Podcast. I'm your host, your online health and wellness coach, Ryan Kassam. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing a friend, former colleague, former boss, Carissa Bollinger. Carissa specializes in hormone optimization as well as preparing women to enter their pregnancy, become the strongest versions of themselves, and have an amazing pregnancy and postpartum. So if you are somebody who is looking to have a really strong pregnancy and enter it at your absolute top health, this is the episode for you. So that being said, I'll see you in there. Yo. Hi. How are you? I'm well. So good to see you. Look at us with our glasses. <laughs> I mean, are we blocking blue light? I don't even know if it works. I, it just feels good. I don't care. <laughs> I like, are you in your studio right now? I'm actually in my home little virtual studio. So I have the the home space and then the flexibility to go to my studio too. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's uh I was just kind of I mean, anytime I talk to you, I always reminisce about uh sort of how <laughs> yeah, like how we came to be and like and uh like the journey we both took since then. But uh I know. And the I one thing always sticks with me. And I was just thinking about it as I was prepping to chat with you. Yeah. And this moment just was ingrained for it'll be ingrained forever at this point. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but we're in our interview together, sitting in the little cafe area at Fox. And I just remember asking you why you like what you're training for and why you like to train. And you said something along the lines of, so that I can like, just be like a great father and a great, wow. yeah. And I don't know why that stuck with me, but it, it was just like such an unexpected answer. And I don't know what you're yeah. like, yeah. it was such a wholesome and I was like, hired. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted to know. Wow. <laughs> I was really? I was curious. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> That's wow. You know what's so funny is I was just I was just talking to somebody about that the other day because they I think the question just came up was like what what I what I train for, what what I've always what's always been my intention with working out. And and it's so funny because I told you that in that interview, but I've mm -hmm. been telling people that since I was like 19. Like it's something where it's like, <laughs> and it's, and I'm still like, I'm not trying to have kids anytime soon. Like it's, it's not on my immediate horizon. And if you know, I yeah, mean, that's your path, then you probably will. Right. Day. Right. Um, for sure. Even if it's not like, it's a great mindset to have around training, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's so funny. You That stuck out. Cause that's like, I was like, I'm, that's like kind of like my North stars. Like I just want to be right. super active okay. as I get older <laughs> and like, uh yeah. yeah like just be mobile and, and healthy and uh mm -hmm. that's so funny that's that's, that's that. Up, man. um that was a hard interview too you really like made me use all my skills it? that i mean i felt comp like at the end of the interview i was like i think i nailed that but I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and i was like finally i have someone who's like competent enough to answer 
my interview question. Right. Yeah. Great for that. me. <laughs> well, to give everybody context, Carissa yeah. is my former boss, my Efesita. Right, if you will, <laughs> it's you yeah. are. <laughs> Can we even call it that? I mean, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, because I it's so funny because I was that was uh yeah to give more context. You hired me to work for Fox to be a trainer, and then literally like I move into my apartment in Brooklyn, and then a week later, COVID happens, and you're like, yeah, we're not uh starting anytime soon. I was like, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> it was the wildest timing for you. Mm -hmm. I mean. It was a wild time for everyone, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was such a blessing for you because, I mean, you moved, you made a huge life shift and all that, but mm -hmm. um, like, look where you are now. Like who? Crazy. Same who with you though. I and, mean, this... well, yeah, truly. Yeah, but... <laughs> and this, this interview is about you. I mean, as much, as no, much I know, as I love I my ego. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but also about, yeah. I mean, look what it's done for both of us. I think yeah. it such a profound, you know, I mean, I know a lot of, a lot of people did not have that experience with yeah, for sure. the nature of the pandemic. And we were very blessed with just what our, um, even just like financial situation was at yeah. Fox. They were so generous and yeah, really keeping us on and paying us and mm -hmm. giving for you and I <laughs> yeah, pushing seriously. that we needed to yeah. like, I am doing what I'm passionate about. Yep. Now. Oh, this I know. Like a really divine intervention yeah. for us, I think. So, yeah. I, and I, I think that's it. a good transition for doing <laughs> what you're passionate about. So, what are, I guess, to give us some background to what you do? What 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 are you doing now that you are passionate about? Yeah, I've taken a a really deep dive into women's holistic wellness. Um, and so the scope of my practice now really revolves around, obviously my, my fitness background, my exercise physiology, mm -hmm. um, degree, but the way that I'm integrating that now is in a much like broader sense where I'm ultimately helping women through their wellness journey at all points. So I do, um, hormone health optimization, which obviously a, a really huge component in all of that is intentional movement and mm -hmm. especially strength training. Yeah. Um, so the functional training aspect is really integrated there. Um, you know, and then on that journey is like trying to conceive fertility, optimizing, mm -hmm. um, things like ovulation for women who are on that path. And then from there, it's, um, really what I'm super, super passionate about is the birth prep work. Um, mm -hmm. I love, um, I love that aspect of what I get to do um, in that part of the journey and then the postpartum recovery. Mm. So um, my work has really expanded to kind of meet women where they're at. And I do also um, do like the in-person um, doula support as well. So mm. I do some mostly virtual work, but um, I do really, really love having the opportunity to be in, you know, that sacred space with, um, someone who invites me in and hires me for that. And, yeah. um, it's been like the most, it's challenging, but it's been like the most fulfilling work that I've ever done in my life. And, wow. um, I use all of my, um, skills with all of this too, which is mm -hmm. so, I've always been passionate about fitness obviously it's been 10 plus years working as right. 
you know, in some capacity, whether it be a fitness instructor, or personal trainer in the beginning to expanding into more management roles and oversight of um, programming and hiring trainers, hiring and developing mm-hmm. um, instructors and staff, leading events. Um, and then, you know, more at Fox, the uh, like broader scope of like running the wellness center as a whole and mm-hmm. being in that role, fitness has been you know, the thing that I've been doing yeah. uh, and the way that I felt throughout my whole career, corporate career, I guess, is that I've just been really lacking other aspects of wellness that are mm-hmm. really, really important to me, especially as I've been on my own journey through my own, um, hormone health, um, you know, optimization and, um, figuring all that out. Mental health is like a huge one. And, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously know that it's really hard to take a client and you can, you can apply this to whatever kind of coaching client it is. It doesn't really matter, but, um, it's really, really hard to take a client to, um, their goals, no matter what they are, if you're not able to get them to peel back the layers of their psyche and peel back Mm -hmm. the layers of, um, what are the barriers mentally there? And, um, are, are they able to address them if so, or, you know, yeah, are they even able to address them? And so then we inform decision as a coach based on, um, can we help you with that? Or is this kind of, you know, what we're working with to, you know, get you to where you want to be ultimately. So, um, I've always just felt this really, um, unsettled or like, like I'm not doing enough kind mm-hmm. of thing within me. Um, and so the the really big catalyst for me to be in my own practice now was so that I can serve my clients the mm-hmm. exact way that I feel they need to be served. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting too, because I've always kind of like, you know how much red tape there was at Fox and at I worked at MIT prior to that in the campus recreation program. And prior to that, NBC across the, mm-hmm. the street from Fox. So, you know, I've been, you know, in all these places where they have a rarely, um, you know, like firm red tape around. Right our scope is and you can have the additional skills but that doesn't mean you're necessarily allowed to use them within the Mm -hmm. the walls of you know the corporation so I would always be pushing the boundaries there with um you know trying to find loopholes and ways to like integrate those aspects of what I believe to be Mm -hmm. really truly important yeah um, in that um you know, no matter what the program area is, but, um, so that's been something that's been really heavy on me. Mm. And so this has given me the opportunity to really just kind of, um, yeah, really lead in a way that I feel, um, is in the best interest of the people that I get to serve. Mm. Yeah. And, um, so that I'm not doing them a disservice by just right. saying, Oh, just doing fitness, um, which yeah. I get the mental health benefits and, like yeah. you, even if you just start moving your body, things kind of cascade and domino effect. And that is a really right. good start for a lot of people. And right. there's so much more to it too. 1000%. Well, I love that. And I think that's why a lot of what you do now resonates with me because I, I love that you have, because obviously you have a very deep, like, um, 
uh, like personal trainer background, right? So you have this, you have this very science based background, right? But then it's been really cool to see your journey into more of, like you mentioned, mental health space, spiritual space, um, you know, the, the specific work that you're doing with women who are pregnant and all, and all these things. Um, so I, I think that's the really cool thing that I'm, I'm fascinated about and definitely want to ask you more questions about like today specifically. Um, but I, I think just to, to give you a little to your own horn is that's been really cool to watch your journey, uh, from going from like general, like a manager, personal trainer position to, really taking the time to be self-reflective on how you truly want to coach somebody and from what different approaches and, and angles you want to coach them from. And I think you can really tell when somebody is in that zone state, right? When, when they give off this nice and uh, just real authentic energy with what they're doing, right? Because it just very much fits what they're trying to do and how they want to help people. Right. Um, yeah. so, so obviously during that time, you, you probably had a lot of time to self-reflect. Right. Yeah, and, I was on... gonna say, and you know, better than anyone too, yeah. like, the way you get to a place where you and I are both at in our, mm -hmm. in our businesses and our, our own practices is the, the work that, mm -hmm one needs to do on themselves to really be able to show up in that way. And right. that is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. Um, that is, um, you know, I think like being in business is the ultimate spiritual pursuit. I think there's, you know, two mirrors for ourselves. It's being in relationship with somebody else, whether yeah. that be, you know, family, platonic, romantic, doesn't matter. And then business. And mm those are like the ultimate mirrors for, for ourselves. And, um, I've not taken that lightly and, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it, it's been a lot of introspective time and a lot of work and a lot of therapy and a lot of my own practices that mm -hmm. I, um, you know, really just have to show up for, and it's yeah. not going to stop either, um, which is the beauty of it too. And I think that's just, like the journey that I'm on. And I love that. I love the mm. journey because it's not always pretty. It's actually right. the opposite of that. It's really, it's really challenging to, um, you know, cause you know, the more you, you dig into yourself, the more that's going to show up in your work. Yeah. And in this case, it's the work is how can I best serve somebody else? And I can't serve somebody else unless I'm serving myself and mm -hmm. for you. Same, right? Preach, so girl. Like, <laughs> you know, like we both have really like strong practices. We're very, I think we're both really rooted in, you know, the things that we know are super necessary to yeah. keep us um in a place. And like obviously too, the work that we do, because the nature of it is giving, mm -hmm. giving, giving. Yeah. We possibly give someone else what we're not giving to ourselves at mm -hmm. the end of the day so um yeah. yeah and I and I love that about the choice that I made to to make this shift too and mm -hmm. it, it feels good too to, you know you get stuck in your own your own head and your own way sometimes so it, it yeah. feels good to know that the perception of my work is coming out in that way too yeah. um, and 
that I have, you know, hopefully married the, the science that mm-hmm. you know, is my, um, like bread and butter and, right. you know, this other spiritual and like more non-tangible right. um, aspect that is very present, but right. it's not something that a lot of people are you drawn to until they have sort of like a, a mini awakening or a rock bottom moment that kind of you know catapults them into something like that so Mm -hmm. um I really try and gently nudge you know the clients that I work with to just opening to practices that aren't like you know really able to be tracked with data like how are you lifting how many reps can you do how Mm -hmm. fast run, you know, like right. what is O2 max, those are all beautiful things. And, right. you know, we're, we're, we like to see that data. We like to see, um, you know, our progress in certain ways and right. in the wellness realm and, right. um, you know, like that mental aspect side of things, it's, it's harder to gauge sometimes, which is, um, you know, the part that I want to be able to really show up for. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do so? I guess my question for you is because you, because you, like you said, you you do a lot with your your clients from either, you know, some sort of hormone optimization or or maybe pregnancy prep and then actually being pregnant and all these things. So I guess can you kind of take me through maybe somebody who uh, is coming to you for for hormone optimization and maybe what are sort of the basic uh, steps someone would take in order to begin that journey and then maybe what that journey actually looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hormone optimization is really, well, for someone who, you know, there's a lot of different hormonal imbalances and I think a lot of women do experience, um, you know, some of the the common ones like PCOS or PMDD, um, you know, thyroid related imbalances um, to name a few, but regardless ultimately at the end of the day, the, I really focus on the, the low hanging fruits, um, Mm. because that's really what, you know, most people are neglecting anyway. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's really taking a look at their nutrition, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, some really key things that most people are neglecting is we talk about protein all the time, but we're talking about it now in the, through the lens of how that impacts our blood sugar and then how that impacts our insulin resistance and how that Mm -hmm. impacts the cascade of, you know, release of hormones that Mm -hmm. would lead to, would lead someone to, um, you know, like more of a hormonal imbalance, which, Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, the real goal with hormone optimization is optimizing ovulation Mm. Uh, and to not get like super TMI on you here. uh, Hey, go for it. (laughs) You know, like um, women who are having um, like symptomatic cycles or um, missing periods or Mm. really painful bleeds. um, Those symptoms are just a byproduct of an underlying root there. So Mm. um, again, like, really reflects back to, um, like gut health, managing the nervous system better again mm. with some of these practices 
that, um, you know, I feel very passionately about like being able to explain, like I'm very rooted in education too, mm -hmm. which I super important. Like I want right. my kids to understand just, you know, like a baseline of, un, um, you know, knowledge on why, uh, why we're, we're implementing something and why that's important and how that's going to help shift hormonal function, mm -hmm. um, and what that even means. So I definitely, um, you know, take pride in giving my clients the basics on like, you know, why optimizing like gut health is going to, um, you know, kind of cascade into, you know, the, the results that they're looking for, whether it is, you know, resolving a hormonal imbalance or whether it is optimizing, um, ovulation to try to conceive mm -hmm. no matter what the end result is there um really like the lower hanging fruits are the same um yeah. rooted in again like basic nutrition and like macronutrients optimizing gut health and gut microbiome mm -hmm. moving your body um and the programming there is important truthfully i mean for for somebody who has some kind of um pre-established routine with exercise for women especially we've been you know, told that we need to, you know, do hit classes five times a week. Right. And, you know, I got into this work because I had my own, um, my own struggles there. And I mean, the fitness girl who lived in New York, um, and was a exercise specialist at NBC teaching literally 10 hit classes <laughs> a week. Yeah. And when I taught, I would physically do and it just, it never occurred to me that like, I'm, but I'm doing something good for, good for my body. It's healthy. Right. Like, I'm working out like two times a day. I'm getting my heart rate up. I'm doing hit like hit is mm. so good. Like everybody loves hit. Um, and this was, you know, like eight years ago when, right. um, this information wasn't as mainstream as it was. So, you know, you go to your OB and your doctor and they, here's birth control. Here's, mm. um, you know, an SSRI to help, you know, manage some of the more, um, psychological symptoms that might occur, uh, premenstrually. Um, right. so, you know, like, again, like the little did I know that some of the, the things that I was doing that we think are, oh, but I'm, I'm in the gym five days a week. So for somebody like that, the, the programming on the fitness and intentional movement side of things is super important and, um, you know, impacts cortisol levels and obviously all of those things. So it's really taking a look at that and saying, Hey, actually, I think you need to like, you know, can we tone it down a little bit and, mm -hmm. uh, want to spend that time in the gym? Like, can we get some more steps in and can we do, um, maybe some more functional strength training, mm -hmm. um, so that we're not burning the candle because a lot of these people are, working women who, mm. you know, are, you know, depleting their themselves with the, the mental aspect of their lives and maybe have kids and then yeah. a life outside of like, it's just too much. And mm. to add high intensity workouts on top of that is too, too, too much. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of where it all starts. It's, you know, kind of knocking away some of those things. And usually with just those basics, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of success there. Um, mm -hmm. and it doesn't take a lot of, um, 
lifestyle shifts at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the beginning of the journey. And then, um, you know, from the standpoint of someone who's trying to conceive, um, even, you know, if that person doesn't have a hormonal imbalance, um, mm-hmm. optimizing ovulation is super important because yeah. that's going to be sustaining growth of, um, a child and, um, and when we're looking at gut health in that, in that realm too, um, it's really important to optimize that as well, because your baby is going to be predisposed to your current, you know, state of mm. health. Um, and it's going to adopt some of that as its own, mm. um, so there's a lot of reasons to to be really mindful about, you know, if someone is intentionally planning to conceive um, and wants to be really methodical and logical about like, okay, like, let me think about this in a way where, you know, we always just talk about like, oh, it's just, it's a viable pregnancy, which is all great. I mean, listen, that is all like, that is good too. Right. And we can also do better too. And I think that's kind of here what I, and people just don't know this information. And I think that's another layer um, that I like to just start to, um, you know, educate women on. And once they know they're like, oh yeah, why wouldn't I want to do that? Um, Also too, because, you know, after conception, that first trimester of, of, uh, pregnancy is usually pretty challenging in the fact that, um, you know, you have some nausea, you're just not feeling great, super mm-hmm. low energy. And so from the side of things where we're looking at, like, you might be out of commission for, um, a few weeks, uh, maybe like 12 weeks, if you're really just not feeling well, mm-hmm. um, and you take it day by day, but we do want to put some money in the bank, with, um, building some lean muscle mass. And, um, can we, if you know, you want to conceive, like, can we really hone in on strength training and get your body composition and your functional strength to a place where, yeah, if you, if you just don't feel good for eight to 12 weeks, then, you know, it's okay. And we'll, we'll pick Mm -hmm. it back up second trimester. And so I actually like to plan ahead for something like that as well, because that is pretty standard, um, as Mm -hmm. a standard part of the pregnancy journey. Um, so from a a couple of different, um, you know, aspects, I, I like to, you know, um, take a look at things from all directions. Um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like through the, uh, through the looking glass. (laughs) That's, that's what I'm seeing. Right. Um, like depending on who I'm working with, like, do they Mm -hmm. know information? Maybe not, but I know that what I'm trying to do is to get them to a place where like it's, you know, optimal for them. Um, and obviously then we're in pregnancy, right. And Mm -hmm. now the body is structurally coming out of alignment and Mm. we are, um, you know, like our body's changing and we have, you know, different hormones and, um, relaxin that is being secreted now, which, um, makes them the ligaments and, uh, the joints a little bit more lax. So mm-hmm. building functional strength, um, for that prior to pregnancy is super important too, so that we have mm. good joint mobility, but obviously mobility right. 
strength around the joint so that we right. can support the joint, um, which is super important too. So mm. uh, looking at it from that perspective has been really important. Um, yeah, I like how, so I, and I, I, now I completely understand what you mean by low hanging fruit. So I really like how um, you're reinforcing a lot of the basics, right? For, for a lot of these women. So folk placing more emphasis on nutrition and yeah. what you're actually putting into your body, not just like calories and, you know, specific numbers, goals to hit right like that. Um, I also liked that you mentioned you're, you're focusing more on strength training and the benefits of what strength training provide and also how it's going to kind of like you mentioned, you give them a, the expectation of how this translates during pregnancy, right? So like you mentioned, like that hormone relaxants release and, and because of the strength training we began to do in the previous phase, this is going to play a direct role with supporting your body as you're in pregnancy, right? Something, yeah. something you did mention that I was, I was curious about because you, because you yeah. mentioned a lot about um, like stress management, and all that. And you mentioned a uh, peace protocol, right? So I guess what, what, typically do you recommend for your clients to um manage stress and and because i see you doing a lot of work with them over zoom calls for that uh mm -hmm. so what, what do you typically implement to help them manage stress or techniques or, or strategies you suggest to, to help them create more peace yeah i love that question um i also love it because it looks different for everybody mm -hmm. i don't that there is necessarily a one size fits all. Yeah. Um, I think some of the really easy things that, um, you know, I will have my clients do is have just some type of journaling practice. Mm. Um, I think that can be really, really powerful in terms of like a simple, quick way to manage your emotions and, um, one of my favorites, and I actually, I've given this to a couple of clients just within the day today, mm. but, um, you know, a lot of these women are juggling so much and they also just, I think it's overwhelming to be like, oh, and you have to manage your stress too. And like, <laughs> where does that go in your day? It's just like such a like ass backwards thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, who am I to be like, well, did you take your 10 minutes to do some breath work? And I, uh, like, like what? Fuck <laughs> you. you. Know? Um, so here's like one of my favorite things that I like to um, kind of just like have my clients implement for themselves. Yeah. So I like to look at their week in a way where it's like, okay, you have some like exercise programming, right? So like maybe they're saying I can work out four days a week for like 30 or 40 minutes. Um, and mind you, like a lot of these women also like that I tend to work with might already have kids, um, also are not getting a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the really big thing, as you know, is recovery and sleep optimization there. And right. so like number one thing will be like, are you at least getting uh seven hours of sleep? Though we would like really like eight or nine hours, especially depending on where you're adding your cycle. We need mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more recovery towards the second half of our cycle before we bleed, things like that. But like we're not going to nitpick it. Like right. are we just getting, you know, good blocks of, you know, hopefully seven hours of sleep. 
Um, and if we're not, and if it's maybe yes, some days, no other days, that's fine. But we have these, um, blocks of, you know, 30 to 40 minutes for most of my clients who are like, I can dedicate this time block to my strength training today. Mm -hmm. and so what I like to give them the opportunity to do, because again, like this is me passing them the torch too. Like they shouldn't need me forever and they shouldn't right. need it. I mean, if it's for like luxury accountability, right. fine. But also like I want to be able to, you know, have a breakup at some point. And I know like, while that's sad, like you're good, like you know mm -hmm. what you need to do and you can manage this on your own. Right. Um, so this is me passing them the torch and saying, okay, let's set some ground rules for yourself. So ground rules um, usually looks like if you didn't sleep more than six and a half hours and you have a workout scheduled for that day, I don't want you to do, you know, I don't want you to do anything high intensity or moderate intensity. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you need to move your body or want to move your body, do something restorative like yoga, like some gentle mobility and, or use your, use your, you know, self-awareness and ask yourself, what would serve me right now? Mm -hmm. Am I really exhausted? This is my time block. How can I best utilize this time block to take care of my needs right now? And the needs might not be physical movement. It might be, I got only four hours of sleep last night. I'm running on empty. Maybe I can take a nap here. Mm. Uh, maybe I can do meditation. Maybe I can journal for a little bit, or maybe better yet, um, I don't really have time in my week because we know how much time it takes to just you know, when we're trying to include more nourishing foods and work on these nutritional things, maybe I'm taking 20 minutes of that block to plan out what am I eating for the next few days? Do I have mm. those things on hand? Because that's stress management too. When we're right. saying, okay, well, this is wellness. We need to do X, Y, and Z. And that's something else too. Like we're making habit shifts. So ultimately at a certain point, that'll be like the new normal, but for a lot of people, that's just not normal. And I think mm -hmm. as a, like, as a coach, like I have to recognize that too and say, yeah, like maybe the time that you're taking here is carving out some time for yourself to plan out, you know, how you're going to be achieving, mm -hmm. um, like in your three-dimensional, like right. the, these things that we're working on. So, um, I know that was like a really like loose answer, but yeah, like I would say if someone is saying like, okay, I need to work on stress management. It doesn't always look like physical movement. Right. I want them to determine what would serve them, whether mm. it's something like, you know, journaling, breath work, yeah. um, taking a nap, um, tending to their, you know, to their, their needs, their bodies. Yeah. So well, yeah, um, how I, how I attack that and it empowers them too, because, you know, it's not me telling them what to do. It's them having a check-in and saying, Hmm, mm -hmm. what do I need? And I think that practice in and of itself is like yeah. the practice you can teach somebody right. to really just ask yourself and get to know yourself and what your needs are. Yeah. Um, so 
yeah. And I think um, from like a stress management standpoint too, even aside from like the, um, the ground rules that we have in place, like if I don't sleep for four hours, then I'm not moving because that's not the best use of my time there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also like, even if they did get the sleep um, and they're, they're super stressed, um, you know, we have these tools in our toolbox then, and it's like, okay, I have exercise, but within exercise, I have, you know, low intensity, high intensity, like cardio or hit mm-hmm. I have strength training. And I have like more restorative work, like, uh, mobility yoga, things like that. And mm-hmm. even within, within that, like sometimes once you get to know yourself better, it's also about choosing like what's going to help me move these emotions yeah the best way and sometimes it's not um you know sometimes it's not strength training sometimes maybe it's like i think that like doing some like really gentle yoga where i can really connect with mm. my breath could help move emotions through my body a bit better too so yeah. i um taking a more intuitive approach but again that's where this piece that I've, again, like really felt like I needed to, um, include in my work and with my Mm -hmm. coaching comes into play because I'm, you know, teaching the skill of strengthening your, uh, mind body connection, your intuition, Mm -hmm. getting to know yourself better through those practices. Well, I think that's, that's an even cooler answer because (laughs) (laughs) it's not your thing. Hey, I'm not, I'm not your like cookie cutter girl here. I like that better for a few reasons. Because one, like you said, like a, I always believe to a coach's job is to give somebody the tools, guide them, but not hold their hand, right? Because because yeah. every good coach's job is to graduate a client, right? Be free. You're you're free. Right? Be released yeah. in the wild. You're you're on your own now, right? Like yeah, that's the exactly. goal, right? Um. So I like that you reinforce that because it's very easy to co- sort of as a coach just take one and be like, all right, g- give me some four breaths in for like, hold this for like very easy to do that. But I like that you are giving your clients the opportunity to become self-reliant and tap into their own intuition to see, okay, what are, what are my needs right now? Right. Cause I don't, I don't think a lot of people do that in general where they really self-reflect and self-assess. I mean, heck, it's hard for, you know, someone who does have that awareness and not like yeah. myself to do that all the time. And for sure. you know, it takes a second to, you know, pause and we don't, we're busy, busy, busy. And it's mm-hmm. hard, really hard to do that, um, consistently. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but when you do, it's, it's impactful for sure. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So anybody listening, like, I think you can even create your own like peace protocol yourself, right? Like if you yeah. kind of, like you said, you have your, your structure where it's like, okay, if I don't meet this criteria and I feel like this, I know that I have these options, right? So you can even outline that process for yourself even more to to do less thinking and more, okay, like here's what I'm going to implement when this happens, right? So I think that itself is a great idea. Um, when it comes to, I, I guess, the actual pregnancy, because this is, this is stuff where we're like when you post your Zoom stuff on your stories, I'm just like, oh, this is really cool to, to see and sort of the <laughs> advice. Um, yeah. I, I guess what... What re what really changes um, from a I guess a uh, stress point from a nutritional point if it if it even does and from a strength standpoint for women when they when they're pregnant because that's 
that's something I've, I've taken courses on, but it's not like I'm like for you, your, your, your clientele is ideally this, right? So what, I guess, changes happen during this time and what, what needs to change, if anything, with the, the low hanging fruit that you talked about before? Right. Yeah. Um, well, we'll start with just nutrition because I think that's like a really, I mean, I'm always debunking the myth of like eating for two, right? I Mm. think that, um, we've really held on to this, like, well, we have another whole human growing, so we need to feed that human. And that, Mm. you know, that's just not, not the reality of, um, you know, like how the physiology is working during that time. Um, the, the fetus is, you know, there's a whole additional organ that's being grown, um, the placenta and the, um, the, the baby is getting the nutrition from the placenta. Mm. Um, and so when it comes to like nutritional needs during the, the process of pregnancy, um, it's really no more than, um, well, first trimester, you're just eating your normal. Um, and honestly, you're eating what you can. Um, I have like really loose, like, are you able to stomach anything? Because we really actually need you to be eating. Mm. Um, and you know, some women have like a better, you know, first trimester experience than others. And so for those people, we can get a little bit more specific about like, yes, we would still love for you to be really like including some, um, you know, like balanced meals. And I think a lot of women tend to crave more of like the refined, like processed carbohydrates and mm-hmm. that if, if you're feeling good, then like, let's try and do a good job of just balancing and ultimately caloric needs do not need to change during the first mm-hmm. trimester. Um, second trimester, um, same thing. We're just eating maybe an extra 250 to 300 calories per day. That's a snack. Um, mm-hmm. we definitely want to up some of the, the healthy fats. That's what, um, really establishes, um, like the vital organs, mm-hmm. uh, that, that are being created. Um, so definitely having an emphasis on like that macronutrient, not to overdo it, but just to make sure you're, you know, including it for sure. Um, Cause I think that's one that kind of can get pushed to the wayside. Um, and then third trimester, um, really only an additional about like 400 to 450 calories per day, which again mm. is, you know, another like two snacks. And I think, you know, from more again of an intuitive approach, when a woman knows her body, like she feels these like needs that mm. need to be met too. And I think that's like the beauty of it as well. Um, because she's innately just saying like, I'm hungrier. I'm right. eating. Um, right. and the importance there too, is just making sure that they're still, you know, eating in a, um, a rhythm and a cadence where they're not skipping breakfast. Like we shouldn't mm-hmm. do that when we're not pregnant. We definitely shouldn't be doing that now. And like trying mm-hmm. to, um, like really kill some of these habits that, um, you know, because now we're, we have a grander purpose at this point. Right. Yeah look at it through that lens um and yes like the ultimate goal is like mom healthy baby healthy but like again can we do better yeah we can mm-hmm. um, so that's like from the nutritional side of things i think like getting any more into the weeds than that is just like more than most people can even handle and right. i think 
like the simple like debunking of like you don't need to be eating for two Mm -hmm. so don't like force feed yourself when you're not hungry your body's going to be giving you these cues these hunger cues that you should be listening to again that Mm -hmm. pausing and saying like hmm like am I hungry? Like, what are my fullness cues here? And then we have to take into the, take into consideration too, how, I don't know if you've ever looked at the anatomy of a pregnant woman. Um, super fascinating. You should Google that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) Um, So wild. And I love showing my clients this because, um, it can be harder to eat. Um, there's a lot of like reflux happening Mm. because literally, the stomach gets squished mm. all the way. It's like literally up here. Yeah. This, and it's squished. And so it's like, no wonder why, right. you know, especially third trimester, but um, yeah, like your you, organs are being squished. Are, <laughs> yeah. Everything's being squished up. And so it's actually harder, you know, to, to eat, maybe even like boluses of as much food. So it has to be, yes, we're increasing calories a little bit, second, third trimester. And we have to take into consideration that like, maybe you're just not able to stomach Mm. the same amount of food that you used to eat. Um, You might have to eat more, you know, frequently so that you can get the nourishment Mm -hmm. and, um, or just like manage symptoms like reflux and things like that. It Mm -hmm. might just not good to eat um you know whatever amount of food so things definitely mm-hmm. like change in that aspect too that we right. need to take into consideration with that um on the fitness side of things uh the like physiological adaptations like this is why i actually initially fell in love with um the birth prep process um mm-hmm. initially it was my fascination with the physiology of a pregnant woman Mm. woman's body um it was just so fascinating to me um to think about birth as this um i mean i i've been an athlete my whole life right Mm -hmm. and like um i made the decision not to like pursue um like strength and conditioning as my career and like i still have this like really like i don't know like performance-based you know, way of like training, coaching, like I, you know, not all of my clients have like a, um, I want to do this event. And like, this is what we're training for. Right. Like, I really encourage my clients to have something like that, but yeah. firstly, you know, training for like, this is the biggest, uh, performance event of a woman's life. Mm. So why would you not train for that? Um, and so some of the physiological adaptations that occur, um, are just so profound when um, you get to understand it, but, um, a woman's VO two max during the second trimester, like she's basically superhuman. Not that any woman is going to go like PR in like a road race. Like Mm -hmm. actually don't do that. Like your pelvic floor will not be thrilled with you. And I (laughs) like for my, my clients to use, like, you know, use discernment with, um, like, okay, like what activities are we going to continue doing and how Mm -hmm. can we, them? but, um, in theory, second trimester, a woman is essentially like superhuman with Mm -hmm. like her, um, her oxygen uptake during, um, like cardiovascular Mm -hmm. fitness. 
Um, and so it's really beautiful then from like my lens, because like I said, like rewinding back to we're basically building functional strength so that we can maybe plan for a first trimester. That's like really heavy on like the fatigue and like, you know, um, all of the, um, energy is going to the womb at that point. Mm -hmm. And like, it makes sense why, you know, exhaustion and like nausea and all these things are occurring. Yeah. Um, so we then really maximize on this second trimester because energy shoots up generally speaking, you know, like VO2 goes up and we have this greater capacity for, for fitness, for exercise. And so, you know, I really try and take advantage of that because it's a great time to, um, start to build even more strength, but for birth specific strength, mm. um, and really trying to, um, you know, prepare for the experience that labor is with functional training and also motherhood. And especially if this is like a second time mom who has a young one who's needing to not only structurally change, mm -hmm. you know, age is starting to lift and pelvis is starting to, you know, come into more of like an anterior pelvic tilt. And this is like very new for the body. And so learning how to manage that and translate that to functional movements that she's already doing throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And um, and preparing for birth. So there's like a lot of, um, you know, like things that we really like, I, I just go balls to the wall second trimester and mm. try and take advantage of that. And then that's usually a nice sweet spot too, while things are like, you know, not super symptomatic. There's, you know, I think most women tend to have this shocking, realization that by like weeks 20 to 25, they're like, I'm pregnant now, like not just looking bloated, like right. belly is fully there and their body is clearly changed. So, um, you know, that, that window of time is like really, really great, um, to really kind of hit the ground running. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, so shifting into third trimester, obviously like things are just super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just really like managing and maintaining strength that has mm. been built and then really delving into birth prep. And mm. the way that I do that is, um, what I call lit training. So it's labor intensity interval training. So, um, what we're doing there is really mimicking the work to rest ratio of labor contractions, um, which tend to occur for, um, anywhere from like 60 to 90 seconds of like really intense work. Mm. Obviously we can't replicate the actual sensation of a contraction, but we can be in some uncomfortable positions. One of my favorite is a wall sit mm. uh, because for two reasons, because part of the management of the labor process is again, that like mental spiritual space. Yeah. Um, so this is where that work really comes into play. And I get to really help my client. Um, you know, it's like holding a plank, right? Like mm -hmm. your body is usually strong enough to go an extra 10, 20, 30 seconds, but your brain gives up your mind. Right. Gives up. Um, and so this is why this part of the, the process is so important and so fun because yeah, we're, we're training for this performance based event. Mm -hmm. Um, but what that includes is 
really how we're mentally managing it. Right. Um, and I know that a woman, I mean, from all the births that I've supported, the ones who have done the best, who, you know, yeah, the ones who have really, um, every birth is different, obviously, but like the ones who have really been, um, the ones who managed the experience the best are the ones who have had a really strong mental and spiritual foundation. Mm. Um, and they were really able to like go inward and use self hypnosis. And I have a couple of like, you know, favorite, you know, tracks that I like to use for, um, that and like really using the pain gate control theory and, um, helping, you know, kind of like block the pain response using things like self-hypnosis, but, mm. um, like integrating that into the physical training of like building endurance and using that lit training of the work to rest ratio of contraction. So that's mm -hmm. where like all of this work gets like, you know, just married together. Yeah. Uh, and then they take that into the labor process with them, which is so, so impactful for them. Yeah. And, absolute game changer because why wouldn't you be practicing for birth like it is mm. the big game like we're practicing right. wouldn't go play a basketball game without i mean maybe like pickup game but like <laughs> you wouldn't be like i have this like big like whatever tournament yeah. thing and um i'm just gonna show up like i've never i've never played this game before but i want to win like right. you can't do that so right. Um, and that's unfortunately, you know, how, how birth has always been. It's just, mm. we do some like loose childbirth education classes and, you know, you're just Jesus take the wheel it, <laughs> you right, know, right. whatever happens happens. And then that's where yeah. also, you know, the whole point behind all of this too, I think is important to mention the. The whole goal is to limit labor interventions at the end of the day and to mm -hmm. give the woman the best possible birth experience, whether, you know, no matter what her birthing preferences are. And, you know, that's a whole different can of worms. But most, I think the ones who come to me for help or coaching are the ones who are saying, I would really like to try to manage my labor as at least as long as possible before right. I have medications, epidural interventions, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So that is the goal at the end of the day. It's really to limit interventions. And then we know too, like once you have one intervention, that's where things kind of start to go south in the, especially if you're birthing in the hospital space um, mm -hmm. and in the healthcare system, um, which is a blessing for a lot of reasons. And then it's also a curse for a lot of reasons. And it's mm -hmm. just really understanding like, you know, um, why the prep work is really important if you want to birth in a hospital and have a positive outcome. And mm. the positive outcome is being able to retell your birth story in a way that's positive, in a way where you can look back and say, like, I really prepared for this. I, um, you know, I had all of the information that I needed to be able to make informed decisions for myself. I, I felt like I was able to, um, have an understanding of what to expect with the labor process itself and how long mm -hmm. that can last and what all of the normals are, because those are really the things that 
for the women who have a lot of like birth trauma, like, don't get me wrong. There are certainly emergency situations that occur. Mm. And that's why, again, when we're looking at this from like the spiritual space, like I also, you know, I love my science-based work that goes into it and saying like, this is all the stuff we're going to do to prepare because this is going to lead to a better outcome. And there's this whole, you know, spiritual component that we have no control over. I have no control over, like, even yeah. as your, as your birth support, we can put you in all the positions that we want. And at the end of the day, if baby doesn't want to flip or baby doesn't want to position optimally, like there's only so much that can be done. Or if the cord is wrapped around baby's neck and God mm -hmm. forbid, even emergency cesarean, things like mm -hmm. that. Like it's really being able to have that strong mental foundation, not only to endure right. it, here, but to endure that there's a lot of possible outcomes, even though this is my ideal or these are my preferences. And right. um, like I said, the women who have the most um, trauma are usually the ones who have not been prepared in that way and not have mm. had the support of like, uh, I mean, doula support is very different than like partner support or mom support or whoever you have in your birth space with you because- mm. Well, yes, I usually get very emotionally attached to my clients. It's a very different emotional attachment mm -hmm. from partner to um, birthing person, mom, or whoever else is in this space. Like mm -hmm. I'm there with the objective, like I can see this all unfolding and be able to provide that additional insight to all parties involved, even like the husband or the partner who's like just seeing his person in pain and mm -hmm. helping them make advocate for themselves and make informed decisions along the way when suggestions are being made from the um, nurses, doctors, and right. based with them. And so those are the people who come out on the other side saying like, I feel really good about this, even though this, this, and this happened, that was out of our control. Right. Like, people who have the trauma are the ones who unfortunately didn't get that, um, education, support, preparation, all mm. of the things. That's why I really take that work super, super seriously because yeah. um, I know that's the difference between somebody who's going to just come out on the other side being like, you know, I've, I've had clients who I've been in the space with them and they have had emergency cesareans and they were laboring so well and like all was good. Mm -hmm. And then something just completely like completely out of our control happened and you know, we were able to still come out on the other side with like this positive, like, you know what, I'm really happy with how everything went when in most cases, um, you know, that would be a very, very different story being told. And, right. um, yeah. And I think then like women carry that with them into their postpartum period. So like, we didn't even get there, but like, you know, the postpartum period is challenging. Like you're mm. making a shift from, um, it's called matrescence. So it's like the only other shift in a woman's life where they are shifting, not only, um, you know, physiologically like surge of hormones that they've never experienced in their lives and shift in responsibility and who they perceive themselves. Like now I'm a mother and I don't know who I am at my mm. core. Anymore, but this is my sole responsibility. So then we're taking this birth trauma into this new shift in physiology shift in um responsibility and i mean you can uh, you can see just how that's right. like 
that's a lot. And then, you know, you're having sleepless nights, baby, your feet, especially if you're breastfeeding, like that's around Mm -hmm. the clock every so many hours, you're just full-time job is just mom. And there is no time to even process what happened from the moment you, the baby. So again, like the birth prep goes so much deeper than just, um, like we're preparing for birth. Like it's right see this like much bigger picture through Mm. this whole process and even to the how this woman is going to perceive her birth at the end of the day because she's doing that with her forever right Um, she's consciously aware of it or not it's going to come out in parenting it's going to come out in how she feels as a mother and how she feels as about herself like Mm -hmm does she feel like a failure because she didn't birth? like there's no failure in birth you know Um, and but but that's a very common you know feeling that um is you know is carried out through that process so um i can do anything to you know limit any of that then Mm. that's my job you know yeah so Absolutely. Well, I like, I like that. I like the analogy you provided where you were like, these, these women are basically athletes in training, right? Because you're, you're prepping not only physically, but mentally, and you're also preparing yourself for any scenarios that can occur on game day, right? So that, (laughs) so that you're not uh, caught off guard, right? Or not prepared for any scenario. Um, So I think that's a really good analogy. And I, and I like how you, because you are also kind of training these women's as if it was like a athletic program where it's like okay here's our off-season work where we're going to be building our lean muscle and focus on strength and here's our actual maintenance where we're just trying to make sure nothing wrong happens and we're not going too intense and we're just trying to maintain the progress you had and then kind of like you said like the post um you know recovery where we're just focusing on hey how are you feeling you have mm. a lot going on internally, externally, and new responsibilities, right? So I, I really like how you lay it out, you know, just like because these women are freaking athletes with what they're doing. So I like they how you are. Lay it out. Absolutely. And I think they enjoy like when I kind of give them the someone comes to me like, I'm pregnant, I'm eight weeks pregnant. Like, okay, mm-hmm. like here's what this is gonna look like for the next yeah you know, months and through postpartum period and then mm-hmm. reconnecting to pelvic floor, reconnecting to core and dealing with any pelvic dysfunction that may have um, surfaced during that time too. So mm-hmm. um, they really enjoy just having this, you know, good game plan. Um, right. And then the partner's involved in that too, because the partner's a teammate. And so when I do more of my support work, you know, him or her and I are tag teaming. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of like, techniques and counter pressure techniques that we're doing together to support and to help manage pain and to do all mm-hmm. of that. So it's really like, it's a team event and, um, you know, like we all have different roles and it's, mm-hmm. it's really important to come in with the preparation for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I know we're, we're close on time, but I do, <laughs> I have like a couple more questions to ask you because yeah. you do, you do reference, pelvic floor a lot in mm-hmm. in what you do specifically with with training um mm-hmm. for your clients i guess can you kind of give a brief overview what is the pelvic floor maybe some things you could do to train it maybe because I, I also see you 
coaching your clients on what it actually feels like when you when you engage it all that as well you give like a brief thing yeah. on that even though i'm sure it's, it's like we could have done a whole pelvic. podcast on it <laughs> we could maybe next time we could dive yeah. into pelvic but um yeah so the pelvic floor is essentially just a hammock of musculature that rests within the pelvis mm-hmm. um and the function of it is essentially like a second diaphragm so we have mm-hmm. our diaphragm that sits within the rib cage and then we have our pelvic floor which is essentially a second diaphragm so um the the easiest thing that someone can do to um just maintain some good pelvic health is to practice diaphragmatic breathing and the reason we want to do that is because we are really essentially trying to synchronize um four of our deep core muscles which is our our diaphragm within the rib cage our transverse abdominal muscles, which wrap all the way around like a corset and then create our lower abdominal region, our our pelvic floor, which is our second diaphragm four connection points, front, back, side to side, and then our multifidus, which runs up and down our spine. We don't really talk about that because it just acts like a stabilizer muscle. Mm. But when we're doing diaphragmatic breathing, I also like to call it 360 breathing um, because I think, uh, a lot of people associate diaphragmatic breath with belly breathing mm. when in reality, when we're, when we're inhaling, we really want to be expanding 360 degrees around the rib cage. So if you bring your hands to your rib cage and your thumbs are wrapping around the back, you want to do this with me? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you want to bring your hands around your rib cage. Okay. Thumbs are wrapping around the back. And then what you want to try and do, we'll just focus on the inhale first. You're going to inhale and see if you can expand and feel your hands separating. And you want to feel that again, 360 expansion. So air coming into where your thumbs are wrapped around Mm. your back as well. So we're not just expanding like a, you know, our belly 360 degrees. And so when you do that, we're sending, we're sending the breath deeper. So we are expanding the belly, the transverse abdominal muscles are expanding. So we imagine like we're, um, oh, I like to take it out. Up. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so if this is our belly, this is our diaphragm, this is our pelvic floor, right? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to synchronize these muscles together. So you imagine air going in belly's expanding here. Pelvic floor is relaxing. Okay. And mm-hmm. so this is creating good pressure management in the abdomen right Mm. and so as you're exhaling you are feeling your hands come closer together and what you want to think about when we're doing this breath really intentionally you want to try and feel like um so we're activating the pelvic floor and the transverse abs so air is you know coming up and out and we're creating less volume in this space here but you want to feel almost like a zipper pubic bone past your navel Mm. on the exhale and everyone has a pelvic floor, including men. So we can, um, talk about this together too. Uh But when you're exhaling, what you want to do is imagine the four connection points of the pelvic floor front, back, side to side, you're lifting all the way up. So one of the easiest ways to describe this is that you're stopping the flow of urine and gas simultaneously Mm. on your exhale. So, um, a really great way, if you're having trouble connecting to the pelvic floor, um, we know that there's a visceral connection from the mouth, the lips to the, well, for women to the vagina, mm-hmm. uh, 
but if we, but to the pelvic floor. So if you are exhaling, like you're blowing through a straw out of your mouth, if you're again, somebody who's having trouble here, you'll have a more like innate ability to engage the pelvic floor. So when you practice this, it's really, um, you know, you're inhaling, trying to feel that 360 degree expansion. We're creating more space. We're relaxing the pelvic floor, almost like you're gently, you know, don't go to the bathroom, but we, we typically miss some of that bottom range of motion of the pelvic floor too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women are diagnosed hypertonic, which means there's just like tension held there, um, for various reasons. But what I really try and do more so than activation is, can you get that bottom range of motion? And that requires a little mm -hmm. bit, more, um, consciousness when you're inhaling and you want to almost like feel if you're sitting on a chair, you almost want to feel your pelvic floor sinking down into the chair a little bit, or some, if you can, you know, have trouble there, you can always like sit on your hand and you can actually feel your pelvic floor. So the reason we want to, we want to synchronize these, these deep core muscles is because, um, we want to manage pressure in the abdomen. And so we want, when we have a mismanagement of pressure, so if, you know, we're really stressed and we're chest breathing, mm -hmm. we're basically reverse breathing. And what that does is on the inhale, we're engaging the abs mm -hmm. and that's the air is still going in, but there's nowhere for it to go. So it goes and puts pressure on the pelvic floor. And so that's where pelvic floor dysfunction is, um, you know, kind of created over time and over, mm -hmm compounding breathings uh you know strategy like that yeah uh, you know start to shift that and so that's where things like incontinence can come up and that's where things like um diastasis recti the separation of the abdominal walls mm. which a lot of get to a lot of um like power lifters actually get yeah. like there's three people who usually get it it's like babies pregnant women and like power lifters, because there's that mismanagement of pressure there. Mm -hmm. um, and so also from like the birth preparation aspect of things too, like a lot of women will experience pelvic organ prolapse. And that's why I do include a lot of the um, pelvic, you know, connection there because we can limit a lot of those things and manage a lot of those things um, with some really general, again, like it all comes back to breath and with mm. Alignment of the pelvis, you know, a lot of us are, you know, we're not um, perfect, but we fall into these patterns. And um, without knowing, you know, if we're, if we're out of alignment, we also can't breathe properly either. So, you know, imagining like your pelvis has headlights on the front of it. You want the headlights to be pointing straight forward mm -hmm. um, because if we're out of alignment there, then even if we are trying to do that breathing strategy properly, um, because we're not in alignment, we're not going to have a lot of success with it. So, mm. um, those would be like the two top, you know, if you want to just like, again, hit those like low hanging fruits, like practice yeah. adopting diaphragmatic breathing as like your new normal. Um, and it doesn't have to be intentional where you're, you know, engaging the pelvic floor and like relaxing it every time, because remember yeah. if you're breathing in this, like into the rib cage, that's your second diaphragm. Like you don't feel your diaphragm within your rib cage, expanding and contracting Right. your pelvic floor is also doing that, mm -hmm. uh, when you are breathing. So you can just remember, um, that that's happening. Mm -hmm. So 
those would be like the the main takeaways with you know getting started on pelvic floor and finding a little bit more um optimization of like the the muscle groups there that are in play so awesome well that felt good when i was doing it <laughs> and it feels good and if cool. you want to talk about stress management yeah loop back to that but that's like just a really great way to um you know, like shift our nervous system into more of that, uh, parasympathetic state and uh, like rest and digest, like love taking three or four of those breaths before a meal so that our body knows like, okay, we're eating and mm. we can, um, we can digest this food a little bit better too. Cause yeah. we can't job of di digestion if we're in that sympathetic state too. So right. I think little things too, like, can my client just take a few diaphragmatic breaths before, inhaling a meal, you know, yeah. um, that can be super, super helpful too. So a lot of reasons to breathe. Yeah. Uh, breathe. <laughs> Definitely a lot of reasons for sure. Yeah, a lot of breathe, reasons breathe right way for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I have one more question for you yeah. and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But so basically the name of this podcast is called these little moments podcast. Uh, yeah. so I started this before I started working with you. Um, yeah. so I, I, I basically started it because I had this breakthrough moment when uh, I was very vulnerable in front of like a group of people and um, acknowledged like my my mental health and anxiety, depression at the time. Yeah. And uh, it was just like a big little moment that stood out for me that really um, created a big, we can call it like a avalanche or um, just basically got created momentum into the person I'm, I am now. And um, who, who I'm continuing to strive to be. So my question for you, is there, is there a little moment to you that sticks out in your life that has sort of led you to become the person slash coach that you are now? And if so, what is it? That's a, that's a deep tough one. one. Yeah. It's deep cut. I'll yeah. give you some time. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be a little moment too. Cause I think like, I think this is again, like probably not your standard, like cookie cutter answer, mm -hmm. but I'm going to go cool. with it because this is like truly a part of like my work. And, um, I love using myself as like just a, a walking example of like mm. what's possible. But um, I would say my little moment was when I was in probably like seventh or eighth grade. Mm. And I love dance. That's my passion. It's my favorite way to um, move my body from like a physical standpoint. It's my favorite way. It's my favorite form of uh, expression. It's my favorite form of creativity. It's my favorite outlet, right? Um, so anyway, I grew up dancing at my studio and, um, I would just, I just said since I was in like seventh grade that I was going to have my own studio when I, mm -hmm. when I grew up. Um, and I, like, I didn't know Jack back then. Like I just, right. I had, yeah, but, um, honestly, like I have chills even like saying this out loud because I don't, I don't even know that, you know, I really talk about this ever, but, um, I just kept saying that, like, I, I would say it throughout like our career stuff in high school and like, what do you want to do? And, um, 
like, I didn't really know how to get to that point, but I was mm. like, Oh, I'll do physical therapy. Like I'll do. Um, so I was like pre PT for a while until I like rerouted just to like standard exercise science at mm -hmm. Penn State and, um, took like a business class in, um, my kinesiology program at Penn State. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we had to create this, um, business plan. And I was just like, it's a dance studio, like mm. literally like all these, you know, since that moment, it's just like, I'm still doing this. And then I, I fell into, um, you know, I was like teaching a lot of like fitness and became a personal trainer and all of that mm. got my job. Um, obviously businesses require money to mm -hmm. start. <laughs> so yep. that was just not like, you know, I wasn't graduating and, um, like doing that, but like, that was like, it's always like, that's my passion. Like, that's what I, like what I feel I belong doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, after, you know, I had my first job in New York and then I got hired at MIT. I remember sitting in my interview at MIT and, um, it was like a four hour long interview and like, thank goodness I got the job because that was like a long day. And I was like, if I don't get this, mm. but I remember them asking me like, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, oh, I'm going to, um, like own my own business. So I'm going to own my own studio. Yeah. In retrospect, I probably shouldn't have said that. In my <laughs> you're probably like, this girl's going to leave. Right. She's out. But they took it in a a very like driven go getter. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness, because it was right. my favorite job I've ever had, um, and I loved it. And I like I, it just came out of my mouth, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, why five years? Like, seriously, mm. five years, Carissa? Like, you're gonna right. do that? Um, you know, and I would just say over and over again, and with like nothing, no plan in place, mind you, like. Right. I, had no, like no strategy for this whatsoever. Um, and I was climbing the ladder. I like wanted our boss's boss's job at the time. Like thought that was just like what I was in for at that point. Mm. And pandemic hit and, um, you know, we talk about manifestation all the time, but like, what does that really, like, what does that really mean? Mm. Um, at the end of the day, but it's, um, you know, this studio, I was supposed to be hosting a prenatal workshop in um, the studio space that I now have <laughs> my studio space and they cool. double booked well. and, and uh, it's just like a small like yoga studio size space and they contacted me a month later and she was like, this is like, she's, I, I think I wanted to like reschedule what I was doing. And she's like, this is crazy, but, um, are you interested in owning this space? <laughs> and I was Whoa. like, that's a lot. And then it, I was like, I went over there and I came home with the keys <laughs> like, wow. and it was done. Um, I know you asked in like regards to coaching, but like, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I think that's, that was like a big little moment for me. It just like having always been connected to like my, my soul's purpose and like mm. so much to be said about like leaving the rest to yeah. like the universe and like knowing what you want in your heart and knowing what your soul's like purpose is and what, you know, what you feel like you're here. And I'm like, it's not a dance studio, but I incorporate a lot of dance into what yeah. I do. Um, and so like to a degree, you know, I'm having the best of both worlds, I think. Yeah. Um, but it just, I think it just speaks volumes, um, when you kind of just like know what you want mm. 
and it doesn't really necessarily, um, you know, I think we're, we're all gripping to a plan and it has to happen this way. And like, I've never envisioned, like, if I, if you would have asked me like, oh, like, well, where would it be? And like, how would it happen? It would have been like a, well, I have to like go through this process and this, like, and then I have to like plan this, like that Mm -hmm. happen whatsoever. Um, And um, I think that just speaks to the, the process of, I mean, I don't even like using the word manifestation anymore because I think it's just so overused, but (laughs) like you're, it's a goal, it's a dream, something that you want to achieve and you want to bring that vision into your three-dimensional reality, right? That's like Mm. all it is at the end of the day. Um, And it's really just like your thought about it. It's your emotion that you have with it like when I have this I'm like I light up I get like really excited talking about like yeah I'm gonna have a studio and yeah. I'm exciting like I feel like I already have it because I'm like excited right and, and you know you you take aligned action to then pursue that thing that you um ultimately want and for me that was like you know I, again I wasn't like seeking it but right. I was doing all the things that I I needed to do that. I felt I needed to do in that moment to mm-hmm. get me to a place where I, um, was like, you know, living out my, you know, I made the decision at that point to start my virtual business and yeah. I was brick and mortar, but because I was doing, I was in my, um, I was in my element yeah. it aligned with, with me. So, wow. um, that's yeah, amazing. That's a little moment. <laughs> that's really good. Cool. Well, I love that because, like you said, it's uh, like you're, you you just put it out there, right? So you you it's not totally. like you were just open to it, and I think that's the that's the cool part about it. And yeah. uh, like you said, you didn't know how you were gonna get there, but you just knew it was going to happen, right? Or like it was your north star. Um, exactly. So I think that's yeah. that's that's really cool. Um, where where can people find you whether it's brick and mortar social any of that yeah i'm on instagram and it's golden teacher wellness is my business account and k bala hala and like you know i thought about changing that so many times and every time i'm like i'm totally keeping this because (laughs) i was given this nickname in high school i played basketball and it was Mm -hmm. like one girl she's like still friends with her now she would just like give everyone nicknames she's like hey bala hala <laughs> <laughs> and it stuck and it like it went yeah. through, like, country season and then like people in other parts of my life would start mm-hmm. calling me bala yeah um, and i like every time like every time i'm like going to change it to something more professional it's like no <laughs> I, I it just doesn't feel right but anyway you can find me there uh-huh. um, yeah and then my brick and mortar is in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. It's the Golden Loft Studio, and um, yeah, that's where I that's where oh, I live. Awesome, so, that's dope. That's um... very cool. <laughs> well, thank you for the chat. Um, yeah, you. this was amazing. I know it's gonna help a lot of a lot of women out there, especially um, if their goal is eventually to be pregnant or or just to get like a good insight of what it looks like from a holistic perspective. So I think it's going yeah. to be super helpful. Um, so I appreciate you. Thank you for being on and we'll see Thank you, you so soon. Thank you for having me. I of appreciate course. it. My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of These Little Moments Podcast. Please remember to watch and find Carissa's information in the show notes below. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would super-duper appreciate it. And with that being said, if you would like to work together one-on-one online health and wellness coaching, you can apply for coaching at bodybrian.com slash coaching. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I'll see you in the next one. Peace out, guys.